We're back. Well, we haven't actually gone anywhere, but we did take a break from the podcast. Welcome to Christ in the Chaos, where a pastor's kid and a kid's pastor share their messy attempt at raising a Christ-centered family. We may not know what we're doing, but we are right in the thick of it. And this is how we're finding Christ in the chaos. Welcome to Christ in the Chaos. I am Kathleen, here with my husband, Joel, who is still your husband because you haven't killed me yet. It's been a long couple of weeks. (laughs) Today we are talking about how to disciple your kids when they are acting like turds. Just to give a little context to this episode, it is uh, April 22nd, 2020, and we are in week six of the California shelter in place in the global pandemic for COVID-19. Um, so if you hear us talking about being stuck at home or being miserable, that's where we are right now. Um, and spe- it's actually probably a good time for everyone to check in with their family. Check in with your extended family. Check in with anyone you can. We all need someone to check in with us. I'm going to check in with my wife right now. So this is our weekly family check-in where we check in with each other and remind you to check in with your family. How are you, wife? <laughs> I'm Relative doing to everything. <laughs> sort of okay. I'm having, like I'm having a rough time. I think everybody's having a rough time, but I'm feeling a little guilt about even having a rough time because we situationally in this have so many things going for us and I still feel miserable all the time. And then I just think of how miserable other people must be who are in financial bad situations or um, who have either full-time working parents or who are still have parents that are going to work full-time as essential workers. And we're lucky enough to have a mostly you teleworking schedule and a me in a part-time schedule and me having time to do homeschool the kids and like we're in the best possible situation and I'm still miserable every single day. (laughs) It's hard. I think it's okay to acknowledge it's hard. We talked about it on our last podcast (laughs) a year and a half ago last week. A solid three weeks ago now. (laughs) It's just it's hard. It's hard to have that weight on you. And then you leave or everyone else leaves the house and it's like suddenly the fog is lifted. When <laughs> have we like, left oh, right, you all there's in an the outside. house? But even then. Like you the, guys went oh, to go Oh, yeah. We left that one time to get free something. lunch across the street. <laughs> yeah. And I still yeah, remember. I, um, I drove over to my sister's and we got out. I brought in my own lawn chair over and we sat, you know, 10 feet apart from each other and hung out for a couple hours. And um, the way I described it on the internet was that it felt like taking the Horcrux off. Um, If you're a Harry Potter fan, it was like, oh, the world is not going to end. We're all going to be okay. Um, But but then you just go right back home and throw it right back on. Mm -hmm. Well. Yeah, it's. It feels tired. The house feels tired of us. But also. I can't take you anymore. Go away. Like, (laughs) it's like our couch cushions are sagging. Our floors look scuffed up. I don't think our cabinet fronts will ever be clean again. Um, it's just like we can't. We're doing the wear and tear in our house during this is crazy. It's meant to have a break from us during the day. And I am meant to have a break from children during the day. And they are meant to have a break from their mom during the day. 
and yes although they don't want one they probably need one uh, oh. those kids love you and they love being around you and on top of you Insane. and climbing up your back and on your head don't even joke about that right now and they're behind you now oh, how are you doing <laughs> are you though yeah. is that what I'm you good. always say but I mean, no it's, it's just like, not true yeah just like you it's you know, I'm I'm carrying the I would say carrying the one ring, but whatever. I ew. prefer more classic just ew metaphors. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh but yeah, the same thing of like I'm doing okay Darkness. but there's still that uh and yeah. nothing is nothing certain. to look forward I don't to. Know nothing to when plan I'm going for. where we don't know Maybe. what's gonna happen this summer. We can't plan Maybe. for what's gonna happen this summer. We can't look ahead. And know that it's going to be okay because we just still don't know it's going to be okay. Yeah. Or know that it's going to be bad or no, you just don't know anything. And it's, it's hard not knowing anything, but I, there are some, I was downer Debbie in our last episode. So I'll be silver lining man today. There are some things where we, I get to see the kids more. I get to watch them play out my office window when I'm telecommuting. I get to get home earlier when get I'm telecommuting. Home. I get to be home earlier. You know, I mean, hard. I know what you mean, but it's hard. But yeah, at four thirty-five. I'm like, it's hard. Hey, oh, but... you're done with work now. <laughs> get out yeah. here. I, I think, and that, that yeah, we are and that's what freaks me out. Is I think of like people who are not mentally healthy, people who are running out of money, people who are in a small space, people who don't have a backyard with a giant trampoline in it. Like we have so much and we are mm-hmm. so blessed in this situation. And I just, I start thinking about the people who have less, which is at this point, virtually everyone. And it freaks me out to think of how much pain there is in the world right now. Yeah. And our kids they are, are, they're really well suited the for best. this and they're they handling it very well. They're rocking it. But children, even those two who I would say are the I will best say children in the world. They're very well and I think suited that's an for this, this situation. Yes, but sometimes even yes. those two can be turds. So today's topic is about how to disciple your kids when they're acting like turds. Yeah. Disciple, not discipline. We'll talk I about that a little bit more too. what we mean about being a turd. But before we get into that, um, I wanted to go over what matters most when discipling your kids generally. Um, what matters most is modeling. What you do how you show your commitment to your life in Christ, the way you treat people, the way you engage with God word, God's word, the way you pray, um, the way you model what the spirit is doing in you and let your kids see it in an everyday basis. That matters more than anything. No, no sermon, no conversation, no letter, no video, no gift, no experience, nothing you can show them or tell them or give them will ever speak louder than how are you are living your life every day. And we did a whole episode on it. So Scripturally, if you just look at Matthew six nineteen, <laughs> do not lay up yourselves treasures on earth where the moth rust, uh, moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up yourselves treasures in heaven, where nothing, uh, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. The idea of that scripture is they're watching where where you're putting your time, effort, and energy every day, and they know what the true treasure is in your life and. That is, you cannot 
disciple your kids in these other ways we're going to talk about without this first cornerstone piece of your own life with Christ. Um, so. Yeah, they, oh. and they're paying attention to everything you say and do. They, today we were talking to my parents and my dad was like, oh, I can't wait for you guys to come and visit again. And our youngest, our four-year-old says, oh, we can't visit you because of the coronavirus. He barely talks, by the way. <laughs> and then our oldest said, our oldest said, yeah, people think it came from a bat. They said I don't, I that barely you know this told them on the way to Home Depot that somebody got it from a bat. That was, I believe, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, whatever. Point weak. being there. Yeah, I don't know. And, and it's hard. I, you know, and, I, and, and, I, and I say you. that carefully because I, um, I had another mom kind of express that they know that they're being watched and they know that they're being listened to and they're just not holding it together right now. And being told like, you know, your kids are watching you feels even harder because there are a lot of people that just aren't keeping the boat afloat right now. And. But it's okay to have a mental breakdown or a, it's okay to be stressed. It's okay to be tired. It's okay to be upset. It's what you do with that. They will see. Even, no. Do you take your stress out on your spouse? I'm going to stop you right or there because it's not even just about strengthen- I mean, how you are- act in the moment because there will be times in the moment where you act out and times in the moment where you are not your best self. But one of the big themes of this episode is that discipleship is a long game. And if they're watching you uh, respond to stress in a certain way and it becomes a big thing in their life, you know, you have the whole rest of their lives to model something else or to show them how you overcame it or to grow through it. And the way you act on any day or any week or even any set of months is not going to um, define who they become and who they see you as. And so I just wanted like to have that message of like, well, be a good model. Yes. Um, but have grace for yourself too, and realize that discipleship for your kids is a long game. Mm-hmm. So what do we mean when we're talking about your kids being turds? <laughs> Let me tell you this. All your kids are turds. Uh, my kid is a turd. Both of my kids are turds. And sometimes at different times at different places. It is those times when they blow off discipleship by refusing to pray or deliberately saying poop in the middle of the prayer, which one of mine does, um, or doing other rebellious things, rolling their eyes um, when you want to read them a Bible story or refusing to engage in their devotional or just blowing off worship time and doing Legos or whatever else they want to do. Um, Or screaming and crying when you say, okay, we're going to stop doing nothing and go watch church because <laughs> that's how life is because we watch it now um and no 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 and you're like you just so, have to so the first thing i want to say like, is that there is nothing yeah wrong with your kid I mean, I mean let me stop there is something wrong with your kid your kid is a sinner born into a sinful world and what i meant to say is there's nothing unique about your kid um <laughs> There's nothing uniquely wrong. Um, We're I know. I will say, like, you know, I've seen ways. the gamut of kids from kids who um, are turds somehow all the way through ministry to kids that seem delightful almost all of the time with occasional slip ups. Um, and some kids that, and this is my favorite, who start out as my biggest turds that grow through to be the, the best disciples. 
And um, <laughs> no, Did you say you the, polished. Those she isn't turds? a turd anymore. Um, she's amazing. <laughs> and um, some you know it. It. I don't think that the the way one kid responds to the gospel message as a seven year old versus the way another kid responds um, says anything about something innate in that kid. It, what it says is that God has a different path for those two kids. It's not something wrong that a parent has done. It's not some way that God has failed them. It's that their way of coming to Christ is going to be a little different. Um, like I said before, discipleship is a super long game and you cannot look at a kid in the moment and, and make some sort of determination about the state of their soul. Mm-hmm. All you can do is just do your best in those moments. And so when it comes to that you're building um, dealing with turds in the moment, there's two mantras I say to myself. Um, one is that rebellion makes sense. When my kids rebel against me, when it comes to discipleship time at home, or even because I'm in the ministry leader for both of them, um, discipleship in school or in at church, um, I tell myself that they are sinners, that they are broken, that that is that is the the that's the hand that was dealt to us. We know that that makes sense. And I'm not going to look and, and question yeah. myself and I'm not going to question any parent or grandparent that's raising their kids um, to say, oh, they messed this up. I'm going to say, nope, this rebellion, these eye rolls, they make sense because that's who we are. Yeah. And it's hard to be a kid. It's hard to be five. It's hard to be a teenager. You're finding the boundaries of the world and interaction with other people. It's, you know... Their little emotions fill them up very quickly and they don't have the uh, The life second mantra that I always say to myself is, uh, well, I actually say then that 10 year old girls can't hurt my feelings, but this, and that was pretty specific at the time, but um, you can't make me, <laughs> you can't, well, you I know love her the parents kid. Listen to this. I always love the kid. Yes. <laughs> um, you make me, parents, uh, you can't make me love okay. you less. Um, in ministry in particular, um, I know that kids are coming to me and especially some of my older kids are looking to see especially some of my outlying um, behavior kids. They've been rejected over and over again, or they've been disciplined, or they've been told that they're a problem, and they're checking to see if I am also going to reject them. And so they will push their limits, and they will push the boundaries, and they will roll their eyes at me, and they will shut down in front of me, and they'll look to see, are you going to turn on me like everyone else has turned on me? And um whether it's with a kid that you're discipling or an adult that you were discipling or your own child in your own home, um, the answer is always you can roll your eyes. You can be rebellious. You can say terrible things about God. And while I will speak the truth about God to you, I will not love you less because of the things that come out of your mouth or the actions that you do. Because we speak the gospel so much louder when we love people in spite of their rebellion than when we. Um, scream platitudes about the love of God to them um, without being able to show them what it really means. Amen. Going into discipleship at home. Now, I think this is something that should go on all of the time. <laughs> As the kids ministry director of my church, I really, really wish that like every parent was like, yeah, we're going to take this home and we're going to do something every day and we're going to do a devotional and, and whatever. Um, I know it doesn't happen. And I know that every kid and every family has a different role in the kingdom. And that just because my kids have to be the guinea pigs for every ministry idea I have, doesn't mean that every 
uh, family has to neurotically do all of these discipleship type things at home. Um, but um, you might consider, um, you might be doing them now because <laughs> they're not going to kids ministry. So here's some mm-hmm. um, things that are important to look at as you're um, doing discipleship at home. And one of the things um, is the content that you give to your kids. Um, now you can always sit down and if you are a really gifted teacher and if your kids are very focused, you can sit down at the Bible with them and read some to them and hope for the best. And I actually think that the chances of this being successful are much higher than you are imagining. Um, but <laughs> I think you should, with your content, give yourself the best possible um, chance. Um, that being said, the content should be good. The one thing that's nice about reading scripture with your kids is that you know it's good because it's scripture. You don't really have to worry about yeah. the um, So, but if you're going outside the of um, the Bible, reading books, watching videos, and coming up with other ways of teaching your kids about God, um, you should be clear that the theology of them is good. You may not be a theologian, and you may not um, be able to evaluate something right off the bat, um, but you may be able to check the source of the underlying ministry that's providing the curriculum. And make sure that it aligns with what you believe and what you think is right for your family, um, both in the theology and in the tone. Um, for example, we watch a video at Kids Ministry, and it's made by Saddleback Kids, and I love it. And at the beginning of it, um, Jesus comes in and they say, this is Jesus. And he goes, oh, <laughs> every time I laugh and their underlying storytelling and imagery is very good. And I think it's light and it helps the kids to help rem- like remember and understand, but I could see where you would be a family and the tone of that video would not match what you had in mind for your children. Yeah. But Saddleback is also very engaging, which is important to have it, not just good content. It has to be content that your kids will interact with. I think you, you do a really good thing every morning with like a jumpstart song. It's three. Like jumpstart three, jumpstart five. Jumpstart three, their content is really good because they just do Bible verses, but it's also a lot of fun, very engaging. The kids get into it. Mm-hmm. Our kids have memorized a and, lot of Bible um, verses. Yeah, one of the things to look at, I love Jumpstart three because it's very accessible. Um, and that is like the first, besides looking at the theology and tone, um, when you're reviewing content, whether it's something online or something that's being provided to you by your ministry, um, is it age appropriate or developmentally appropriate? Um, and let me give you a hint. If you are reading something um, that you are evaluating for the purposes of seeing whether your kids will like it and you find it boring, they will find it boring. <laughs> like if it's too long, um, you're going to lose them and you're going to pull them into a situation where discipleship becomes something that's boring that they hate. There's plenty of good material out there that is not boring. That's plenty engaging. So if you're reading or doing something that is is boring or not tailored for children, um, then chances are it's not going to go well and they're going to have negative memories of the time you tried to do discipleship at home. Um, and then the other thing about choosing content is that content is most effective when it is tailored to your kid's personality and interests. So um, besides length and language, the other question is like, what general format engages my kids usually and, um, and go with it? Um, if you have a kid that reads comic books, there's all kinds of great um, Bible comic books. If you have a, and, and like we use mm-hmm. share faith, 
There is a comic book Bible. I can get the New Testament. If your kid is form, like a real Gospels. screen kid, or if your kid like ours is not really allowed on screens, but you let them watch, you know, play the Bible app for kids on the phone, and that's the only thing you let them do on the phone, then the little dopamine receptor goes off when they're engaging with the Bible story. Sorry, I will take that little bit of science for us um, and use it to my benefit. Um, but just think of like what lights up your kid in terms of um, how they consume content. And, and when you're starting discipleship, that is a good place to start. In addition to picking content, um, the more important thing is how the interaction goes. Um, you can have the best content in the world. And I will say you can have the best content in the world and you can show them a video and the kid will get something out of it or you can let them engage in the app. Um, but most of the growing mm -hmm. and discipleship happens in the way you present it to them and the way you interact with them, which I realize seems like a whole lot of pressure. <laughs> it's not. It. We were talking about this watching Blue's Clues with the kids. Go watch an episode of Blue's Clues and watch that guy. Like the kids, when they interact with you, if, if you go, okay, we're going to dance this song, go dance. Like they want to dance with you. You got to be willing to be silly. You got to be willing to have said, fun and be I having totally fun being agree silly. That if your kid likes Blue's Clues, like our kids have recently discovered it and are like down the rabbit hole of Blue's Clues, um, then you should act like that guy. But if you have a kid that looks at that as like, that's dumb, then you need to... The, the most important thing about interaction is is tailoring your interaction to what engages your kid. And if your kid is like an athlete, um, gamifying something or making it a competition um, is always going to engage mm -hmm. them. If your kid is an artist, having them draw a Bible story or um, craft or build or something, that's going to engage them. So if you're doing discipleship at home, when I do kids ministry, I'm at a disadvantage. Because I have to do something that appeals across the board to all kids. When you're at home with your own kid, you know your own kid. And you know what engages your own kid. And you can use that to your advantage in this interaction area. Yeah, just be in it 100%. When you are... So we're kind of going to go through what it's like in a devotional or time in the word with your kids. What it's like when you are worshiping at home with your kids and um, encouraging your kids to pray. Um... The first thing in a devotional setting is that you need, we all need to remember that when we engage in God's word, that we are doing it to experience and hear from God and get to know God. We are not doing it to learn for a test. Um, our goal is not to learn the Bible. Our goal is to live the Bible. Um, so, for example, if you're telling them the story of Ananias and they never learned the name Ananias, but they learn that in the face of danger and fear, that you should be obedient to God and do what he says, then who cares if they ever know the name Ananias? Like who, who cares? I promise. I, well, I don't know that much gates. about it, but, but I'm pretty sure that's a, that's a given. Um, some tips when doing um, devotional or picking devotionals or um, engaging in devotionals, that storytelling is always better than teaching. Um, we, we learned this, that not all devotionals are created equal when we realized that um, the kind of one paragraph abstract idea devotionals were nowhere as effective with our kids as the um, situation stories that are applied then to scripture. If we read them the situation and then insert their name in for the kids' names, 
they absolutely believe they are in that story and that that thing absolutely happened to them. And then they see it from that point of view and they're able to discuss it that way. Speak scripture back to them in a way that they'll understand. One of the sources of media that we regularly use is Seeds Family Worship, which is scripture to music as well. And they do, what is the scripture? I don't know what it is. Um, some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, um, but we trust in the name of the Lord, our God, um, whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, they probably would. Um, but even in that song, they're like, they, they change it to some trust in money, some trust in fame, um, because that makes more sense for what is relevant to them. But like, if you were talking to a three or four year old, you might say like, you know, some people think toys are important and some people think um, snackies are important, but, but we know that God is important. And being able to speak to them at their language. I mean, you can, you can bring scripture down to any level. If you know how to sound of the snackies, um, or like snackies. Mario world gummies, which is what's rule in our house right now. Um, every story that you tell your kids, um, they're not, the, the aim is not to memorize it or learn it. They're going to experience that story at five and then they might hear it again when they're seven and then when they're 11 and then when they're 14 and 17 and they may not hear it again until they're 23 or 27 and every time they experience that story they're going god is going to speak to them in a different way and that is the goal the goal is not for them to memorize the story or the details of the story but to hear god's voice in it the next thing i want to talk about is worship and i feel like a non-expert in advising on this particular issue because we are both singy and dancey people, and we have raised generally singy and dancey kids, especially when we're in the confines of our home. They have no problems like being very musical and very expressive um, and enjoying music together. But I also realize that there are the vast majority of people in the world who are more stoic than we are, who are less um, musically free. <laughs> I won't say inclined. I will say musically free. Um, I think with music, though, we do have a good in, especially with younger kids. They, they're all willing to dance and sing, usually, as long as you're in it with them, 100%. And you do a thing in the mornings that I think is great where you play a praise song. Just one. It's two minutes out of your day in the morning. Before anything else happens, the kids get up. It's the first thing you guys do together. And that centers the day and it tells them, hey, we start here. And you sing it together. Mm -hmm. Or if you're not singing people, you could listen to it together. But it's a very easy, very short routine this ritual that you starts. can use to say, no, 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 no. The first thing we do when we get up, we go to the living room. We sit on the couch. We listen to a song. We hold each other's hands and sway back and forth because we don't sing or dance. Or if you're um, one of the things people, that you can sing and dance that kind of goes with this interact. This is like the, the discipleship of turds um, is that I let the kids really lead what this time is going to look like. So sometimes we'll play like one of our VBS songs and we'll dance around the whole room. Sometimes we'll get out the instruments to encourage them to be engaged. Sometimes we'll do like an adult worship song and just like really get into it. But sometimes they look at me and they're like, it's not going to happen tonight. So I've had them lay down on the ground and play like soaking music and listen for God. I've had um, every once in a while we do, we are marching in the light of God. We play it on the whole house with all of the different Alexas through the whole house and sing, we are marching in the light of God. We are hopping in the light of God. 
we are jumping in the light of God and it's like this very interactive experience. Some days Dane does not want to do any like dancing. So he'll say he wants to do a candle day. So we'll both light candles and we'll sing this little light of mine. And it just, yeah, he gets a battery powder candle because he Levi would literally burn down the house. Um, and so it's just about meeting the kid where they actually are um, on that day. And that's that, that ta- tailoring the experience to the kid that you have um, that really I don't have. Man, I wish I could do that every week in ministry because I know not every kid wants to do my VBS dances with me, but I have to make the, the best experience for the most kids. And, and that is, mm-hmm. that's what I've fallen on. And then I look at the, like, especially some of my older boys, or I just look at some kids that are just not raised in families that are that obnoxious as we are. And I think, I know this is hard for you. So find something that works for your kids. I think a song is great because it's a two minute kind of, it's a very short and it has a definite start and end, but find something for your kids where you can do it in the morning together. Maybe it's just a prayer Something to start that Um, morning with work. To me, this is when I have the most trouble with my kids personally being real turds. Um, though we're actually in a good groove right now, but we have been in some really, really bad grooves. Um, part of it is because we don't do a lot of, um, now I lay me's in this house. And I'm not sure that that, now that I'm obsessed with ritual and routine, I can understand the value of those a little bit more, but we never, (laughs) huh? Well, um, but we're doing a little bit better now. Um, But kids can be real turds in prayer. I mean, the obvious turd way for them to be in prayer is to not engage at all, um, to let you pray, um, which, by the way, when when that happens, the answer is you pray for them. You pray over them. um, And and I mean that and you pray encouraging for them. um, But a couple of other things you can do to encourage them when they're really resistant to prayer is to pray in a very conversational tone in front of them. Because I think about 99% of, of kids' rejection of being engaged in prayer is a fear that they're not going to do it right because they hear beautiful prayers in church and they hear things that are written with these big words about gracious and abundance and all these things. And they don't know those words, so they feel like they're not prepared to pray. Um, that's BS. They can talk to God whenever they want and they don't have to use those words unless those are the right words for what God wants to them to say. And um, so you using a conversational tone as a model is very helpful. Um, One of the things I do with the kids is kind of like, yes, Lord, them or like, yes, God, do that, Lord, um, to encourage them like, oh, they came up with a great thing to ask for or to praise God for or to thank God for. Um, And a lot of the times when my kids are just totally shut down, I'll be like, well, what do you want to say to God today? Or what do you think uh, God wants to hear? Or what are you thankful for? Um, just coming out of the like, Lord, blah, 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 blah. And kind of mm-hmm. taking the tone up to like a conversation that they're used to. And then reminding them like, oh, yeah, you can tell God that too. I think that's easier to deal with than the, the our youngest is in a. Thank God. What do you yeah. want to thank God for? I want to thank God for poop. Ah! And it's just, I don't, I don't know how to turn that. I think a kid who's not engaging, who's quiet, who's kind of, ah, this is dumb. Like, okay, it's dumb. Well, what do you want to say? Mm-hmm. What would make it not dumb? How can you, I can work with that. The like, 
fart. Or when they say something poop. like, like I don't know how to like really turn that bad. into something productive. Like, um, well, I don't even like God. Um, I, I, I can't say that my kids have never said anything like that. Um, but I think, but my kids are young enough when, when they've said something like that, they've looked at me and the look on their face that's like, I'm testing you right now, or I'm testing the boundaries right now. Um, is so obvious that I've never been concerned about them actually feeling that way. But the reality is when you get older kids, not only will they be mm-hmm. testing the boundaries, but they could start feeling that way. And then it gets a lot more complicated than the tips we're giving right now. We're talking about like turds. Yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll be able to help we'll when, get to those tips when that starts going off the rails. Maybe. <laughs> so what to do if you get straight up rebellion? In, dis- in the discipleship arena, if your kids have limited screen time or even if let them watch videos um watching videos of like the bible project if they're older kids or just like just discipleship videos videos that teach them bible stories and stuff like if you give them 30 minutes of that in terms of screen time and they're only watching that and you're monitoring to make sure that they are only watching it then like all of a sudden you've given them this little gift of like time on the tablet and the whole time they're they're being spoken the word to i mean that that's a workaround right there is what that is. It, it's not bad. No. It, giving them rewards is a good idea. That, that, whatever that reward is. The reward is screen time. If the reward is time with you. Mm-hmm. If it's, well, why don't we have a snack while we read the story or whatever. That, that's not terrible. I, you don't want it to be the yeah, last word in it. I think that the it, reward can it's a good place be to start. you. We've never had trouble getting our kids to sit down for devotional. In fact, if we try to skip devotional, we get tears every single time. And it has, I'm, I'm sure my kids love Jesus, um, but their connection to devotional is related to the routine and related to like staying up. No. Oh gosh. They don't the care prize. about the prize at all. Dane never gets the prize. Um, he forgets every single week. It has to do with, the fact that it's more time um, of like direct engagement with their parent. Um, and we're, and we, yes, and staying up a little bit later. And, and we're talking about people who later. have like they don't want to go to constant bed. access to their parents. So even just that extra four minutes is important enough where they never let it go. Um, so the prize can be you. The prize can be um, some other pleasant ritual. Um, like we kind of do tea time if we had built that around devotional. Um, which we have not, but if we did and they were snacking on cookies and drinking milk while we read devotional, um, that would work too. Um, With regard to worship, um, this is, I think, a little bit trickier if you have kids that are very resistant. I think fire, um, like we talked about doing the candles, fire always works. Um, If you give kids props or fire or glow sticks or instruments or um, something to make a mess or something to, um, pillows to throw. We throw pillows a lot during worship. Um, I, enthusiastic pillow throwing is not unbiblical. And, um, it, what it does, well, what it does is <laughs> That's going it on gives t-shirt. them something to distract them from their insecurity. So if they're feeling like kind of silly about getting up and singing or dancing, but you give them a glow stick, all of a sudden the glow stick kind of, um, their focus is enough on the glow stick where, the, where that buzz of insecurity about singing and dancing is kind of neutralized by the prop. Um, and that's why I do it in kids ministry. And that's why I do it at home a lot is to neutralize whatever the resistance is 
um, to worship in the first place. The other piece of advice with worship is to get physical. Um, marching always works with my kids. Um, if you have little kids, picking them up and holding them and swaying with them back and forth, and then all of a sudden they're giggling and they are associating this moment of worship with closeness. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, Kind of like you said in the beginning, it's a long game. It's about building mental relationships, not between people, but between worship and happiness, worship and fun, discipleship and goodness, discipleship and something I like. You know, it's fun. It's something I do with mom. It's something to do with dad. Those those relationships you build in their brain when they're little compound and compound and compound and compound. Um, and it becomes who they and the are. Other, yeah. The other up. idea is to get physical, especially if you have a very physical kid. Um, worship does not have to look like a kid standing in place with their eyes closed, with their hands out. It can be um, gymnastics. It can be somersaults. It can be running through the house or jumping to the highest point that they can jump. Um, I mean, stay safe, but otherwise get wild. So when we're talking about prayer and kids that are straight up rebelling, um, one of the the key things to do is to let them take the lead. Um, Let them pick your prayer topic. Um, If you're like, okay, well, I'm going to pray then. What should I pray for? And they can say, you know, something dumb if that's part of their rebellion. And then you can always pray for that dumb thing. Um, If they get to pick the dinner prayer or Mm -hmm. um, they get to pick the method of prayer or they get to... Um, do it. Are we going to lay on the floor? Are we going to hang our heads upside down from the chair? Whatever it is that gives them enough, like the, the appearance of control over the situation. If they end up praying in the end, who cares what position you're sitting in? Um, it, if it's a, a, a power struggle, let them win something so that you can get what you ultimately want, which is the faithful exercise of praying with your kid on a regular basis. Yeah, kids are in control of so little that it's just such a novelty for them to be like, "Oh, I yeah. get to pick the prayer. Or I get to, oh, pick, I get to pick the whatever, the what song. body position." We're in. like, yeah, it, it's we, it's what, silly stuff. Yeah, what room are we going to do prayer? Yeah, where we see what um, room? And then are we if they're just, to? especially when they're older kids and they are very quiet, um, there is something very powerful about praying over them to be like, "Okay, you're not going to pray. Um, I never make my kids pray, but there's something to be said for the faithfulness of always going back to prayer." And so. Praying over them, praying with love for them, even when they're being turds, praying for good things for them, even when they're being turds, without <laughs> a lot of judgment, um, asking God to touch their hearts, asking God to come into them, asking God to make them bold prayers, but also telling, you know, reminding them through prayer that you are going to love them through it no matter what. Um, that is going to be more effective than fighting with your kids about doing their prayers. Um, When kids are just totally disengaged, there's a couple of passive ways to do all of these things as well. Um, They can't avoid, if you're playing like a podcast in the car that's meant for kids' discipleship, (laughs) they can't avoid worship music that you play in the car, um, especially if they're still in a car seat. Um, (laughs) They can't um, avoid you praying for them and you praying out loud. Um, I mean, there's certain ways where um, your discipleship will just be you kind of in a passive way forcing them into it um, because that you're in charge of what's on the radio or whatever, um, or you're going to charge what's on playing on the Alexa right now. And you're the grown up, especially with little kids. I know it gets complicated when they get older, but in the meantime, use 
the passive times, like if we're all coloring and doing art, play scripture in the background, play mm-hmm. seeds, family worship in the background. Like it's easy. Um, yeah. Well, so that is the easy part for me to passively force my kids into that stuff. <laughs> um, but <laughs> well, yeah, Send them to good but, shepherd then, children's but then I'm dealing with your turds, but I will take your turds every day. Um, overall, you shouldn't be <laughs> discouraged no matter how hard the resistance is. Um, God has revealed to me that it is key to be faithful and loving no matter how difficult a child is being. The long game of discipleship always works. We just have to keep loving them for who they actually are and being faithful to God, and God will do the work that seems impossible to you. On that beautiful note, let's get to another beautiful note. So that came up. On the subject of they are always watching. They are always listening. They're always there. We we made masks because you know that's what? the thing Take you do some now. Take credit, Joel. You because made the masks. When you go out, you mask. hand sewed masks for both of us, and I, I lost mine. Yeah. I hand sewed masks, and you know what? They're pretty good. I used some leftover fabric from Kathleen's sewing days, and I made some masks. And we have been wearing them when when I go to work or when Kathleen goes to the grocery store. We wear our masks out of the house. The only time the kids see us wear them is. Oh. The 20 okay. seconds. But it also took you like seven and, and a half hours to make them. So, and then you try it, you would try it on. Sorry. Way to immediately take, take back your praise a minute ago, from a minute ago. So, all that to say, our child goes into his art room, makes pictures, makes all kind of stuff, and then comes out with a white piece of paper cut into a maskish shape, pretty similar to the ones I made. And with pipe cleaner as the string to hold it on his head, and it was over his mouth. He made himself a, yeah, a cloth mask to go out in public. General and, idea, yes. <laughs> yeah, he he didn't understand the what was going on. He didn't understand why we were, or he knew why we were doing it, but he didn't understand the mechanics of what was happening. Why I used fabric. He just knew this is what mom and dad are doing. And it's important that they're, they're doing this because it's important. They're helping people by doing this. They talk about it being important to wear your mask. I'm making a mask. It was, it was some time it after was I had made my mask. It wasn't like the same day. Of, it was very, <laughs> it was, it was, it's such a weird world we live in now, but it's such a great example of even the littlest things. We've never told them. We haven't been anywhere. Yeah. We've never discussed it. We don't, yeah, and we don't sit down with them and say, okay, now we're putting on our masks for this reason or that reason. We just have talked to each other like, oh, yeah, we should wear masks. Help other men, you know, keep everyone safe. Don't spread illness. And they pick it up. Fun. They're watching you and they know what you're doing. On that Lord, help us note, to disciple our kids out. even when they are rebelling against us and when they are rebelling against you. Help us to find the right things to present to them to present it to them in a way that reaches them where they are and speaks their language and help us through their rebellion through their anger through the terrible things that they say to us and the terrible things they say about you to love them through it to the end and to be the ultimate model of your great love and in jesus name amen thanks for listening please take a second to rate and subscribe to this podcast It helps others to find us and to be hashtag blessed by the discussions that we have here. If you want to contact us, you can reach us on Instagram at Christ in the Chaos, or you can email us at Christ in the Chaos pod at gmail.com. 
Until next week, we hope you have a peaceful week. But even if you don't, remember that you can find us and Jesus waiting for you in the chaos.